I just stepped back and thought, what is it when somebody else's money is not on the line, when I don't have all these voices coming at me telling me what to do, what is it? What's the thing? And it became evident to me in that moment, you're a Christian artist. You've always been a Christian and you've always been an artist, but you know, like your faith, who you are as a believer, that's what matters most here. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, and Drew Brown, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and worship leader. Both hope to share insights into Christian music, exploring ministry, message, and everything in between. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Drew. Uh, uh, are, are you, are you going to share? You got, you got those chocolate Easter eggs there. I, you can't hide them. You can't hide them. I see them. Are you going to share? They're all for me. All for me. <laughs> Kids get Easter candy and the parents enjoy. Daddy tax. Yep. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Had a good Easter? Very, very good. How about you? It was great. Just to, part of it is just the time off. You know, just to spend some time with family and stuff and just to regroup a little bit. But yeah, Easter was good. And now it's now it's back to reality again. Right. (laughs) It's back to reality. (laughs) One of the things that uh, we did this weekend, my wife has been shopping for a new blender and uh, she she did settle on one and and she's, you know, made her online purchase and we'll have it delivered in the next few days. (laughs) Got to say, though, one of the comments on this, one of the top comments on this blender that she wanted was uh from somebody that complained and i i, I gotta say when i'm looking at reviews i i always try to go right to the negative stuff there's always going to be positive yes. reviews right so i go right That's to right. the negative and what same uh, you know so the number one negative review that i found on this particular blender that she wants and that she's ordered was that it's noisy it's a blender. It's no, noisy. Dude, that's a they're, joke. They're, no, I. That's what they said. That was actually a review. <laughs> that was a review. It's kind of noisy. Well, come on, it's a blender. <laughs> and if you want to go high end and something good quality, I I expect it would be maybe noisier. Like it's gonna be probably having a stronger, more long lasting motor. You know, like. <laughs> it's noisy. That's ridiculous. Man. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, uh, we'll see how it works out for her. But uh, she's got a new blender on the way, and it got me actually thinking. You know, reading reviews and whatnot. One of the things that uh, I wanted to get one of these days was, you know, I, I did a search on what is the number one top line microphone for voiceover work, and okay. it, it doesn't surprise me that it's the Neumann TLM one hundred and three. Oh, I love that mic so much. It's a great mic. It goes anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars, depending on what extras you order with it. If you want the shock right. mount, if you right. want the case, and everything else. And of course, I'm I'm yeah. eyeing this thing. It's not in you know in the cards for me to get now because I I got to justify the business first, right? I've got to sure. be doing enough sure. business to justify getting a more expensive mic. And I've got some great mics already. But uh, the number one negative review on this microphone online. <laughs> You look it up on Amazon, folks. The number one complaint was this was a person that decided they were upgrading from a $60 mic. Okay. And uh, and they, their complaint was that it's they, too expensive. No, no, it wasn't too expensive. Oh, Th- their complaint okay. was that it didn't include a mic cable. 
These aren't real, bro. I'm, you're this is, they, you're, they, you're setting me up for a joke. It, it, no, I, I'm not. A, I'm not joking. The, the complaint was that it, it didn't include. That was one of the complaints was that it didn't include a mic cable. I, I'm telling you, there's no good quality microphone out there that you're going to buy that includes a mic cable. No, it, that's they right. just don't. You can't buy them that way. And part of the reason that's why right. is there's different quality of cables. But that's right. more importantly, there's different lengths that you can get with a cable. So even if it got shipped right. foot with a six foot cable, it's not going to be long enough for for your application right they exactly. don't get shipped with my cables and the same person and again number one complaint uh, or number one complainer i should say the top of the list if you go searching yeah. uh, the other yeah. complaint was that it comes with a uh, thread adapter on the mic holder yep and right. it, and it took them three to four hours to figure out that the thread adapters on the inside so they're trying to screw this thing onto their mic onto their mic stand but wondering why it's not working it took them three hours to figure out that the adapters on the inside and they got to screw that out to screw the the thing properly <laughs> really why don't you stick with your 60 dollars mic you know i, th- I think that's probably wise <laughs> if you don't know any better why you know what's the sense are you just buying it because of the brand or, or because you heard it was number one or do you actually need a mic of that quality exactly you know? that mic is actually one of my like wants because it's such a good mic for vocals it's some great on acoustic guitar as well um i have a buddy of mine who um owns two vintage uh norman 69s i think u69s yeah and they are like and they're more expensive yeah yeah i think it's like four thousand bucks per mic yeah and it's vintage so it's probably even more than that yeah so it's um i think it's like from the 60s so it's like and those mics sound good on everything drums guitars vocals whatever they just make they so so good you pay like you get what you pay for yeah so yeah the, that's yeah the you should get that mic but get it today yeah, on the, sure. on the credit cards get, sure, get, get today sure no, no problem. problem i mean if she can if my wife can justify buying an expensive blender i can just decide this to it. buy an expensive mic but what about you what kind of gear do you have in your studio because you're doing mm. pr- production work all the time and obviously recording your own stuff yeah, yeah. I have a bunch of uh, Royer ribbon mics, which are like oh. some incredible mics. They're great for ribbon guitar, mics are amazing. Mics are just so nice, beautiful Tasty. sounds. Yeah, right. And full, so I like full those rich a lot. sound. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so I'm a huge fan of that. Um, I have a, a Shure Seven B SM Seven B, which is kind of like it is. It's not the best mic in the world, but it's a classic mic because it can do anything. It can handle loud volumes. Also, it can actually reject like room noise. Mm-hmm. And so it's great for if you're you know working in a house, which I am, you can just set up a vocal mic and put it on and you get a nice clean signal. Look at like a live worship recording. Yeah. You'll see a lot of these mics kicking around because they're just really great mics to use in a in any room. Um, and then I have the usual basic sure mics, but I have this one mic, actually I had two of them called it's called studio projects i know it sounds really bad really cheesy and it is it's a pretty you know it's a condenser mic it's like a cheap knockoff of a norman i've had this thing maybe almost 20 years Mm -hmm. and it is done me so well i can record anything with it it sounds crisp and clear it's not noisy it's amazing i think i think i bought it in like 1999 (laughs) is it your is it your go on the road type mic if you need to bring a mic with you because you don't want to bring your top end necessarily that's exactly it yeah Yeah. and so it's great it's great on vocals and guitars and whatever so actually i have it set up right now because my plan is to do vocals today i'm like this is i did a knockoff between this and a few other mics i'm like this junk still wins it just sounds really really good so that's been my go-to mic strangely enough 
for all these years is a cheap $200 mic. Is it a condenser as well? <laughs> it's a condenser, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just works. It just works. Anyways, I suppose... Uh, I suppose we need to get to our conversation with Jordan Smith, previous winner on The Voice. And we've had a few guests over the years that have moved into the music world through a music contest like Mm -hmm. uh, Danny Gokey, Jasmine Murray. uh, They were on American Idol. AC and Brady. I mean, you wouldn't have seen them on a show, but they were in a contest where their their prize, their winnings was to travel throughout the country over the summer at at, uh, music festivals. And and so, you know, there's there's them as well. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, an interesting way of getting into the music world and getting instantly recognized. So we're going to have that conversation with Jordan uh, and also uh, talking about changing genres which is what he did because when he won he went right into the pop world and now he's moving into the ccm world and so what's that transition been like for him so let's get into it this is jordan smith on between the grooves i'm gonna try and keep my dogs from screaming their heads off in the background i don't mind the dogs in the background honestly it it makes this whole thing that much more interesting (laughs) there we go it's great yeah. So I guess to get started, Jordan, um, well, I guess I should start with you, Drew. You you mentioned to me that you've got some mutual friends with Jordans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not wrong about this. <laughs> um, so a few years ago, I was in Nashville and um, some buddies um, were work. Uh, they all shared a studio space. Uh, it was like this legendary studio space in Franklin where like mute math did their first record. And it was like this amazing, amazing spot. And they're playing me some songs. And I was like, Oh man, that guy's amazing. And he's like, yeah, he's one of the voice guys. I'm like, really? And then all of a sudden, like, I don't know, not even a year later, you come up with some, you come up with this album or this, these songs. And I'm like, what's, what's going on? So did you work with, uh, 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 Laring out of Franklin? Dwayne Laring? I'm sure I did. <laughs> that sounded that yeah. sounded not too optimistic there. No. That sounded like oh, were, maybe he's not. wondering. You know? No, I'm trying I, to think. Honestly, I've worked with so many people since then. If it was early days, then I was just would, like trying to hold on. Fair like, enough. There's so much that gets lost from those. So if it was like right after the show, then it was probably it was. Like, are we talking like 2016? This would have been or 17. Yes. Like around that time, I was basically being shot out of a cannon. (laughs) Yes. And everything's just going by in a blur. I understand that. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's definitely probable. I feel horrible that I don't remember. Oh, no. Dude, it's totally cool. It was Um, just so. It's 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 highly probable, to be honest. And were you um, were you like shopping around? Uh, for a label at that time, or were you already signed in, in 2016 um, years? That is in 2016. I was I was signed. So whenever I won the Voice, I immediately signed with Republic Records out of New York. So it was like, was that part of the prize? Yeah. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah, it was That's a record good. deal. But the the crazy thing about it is, you sign the deal before you're ever like officially like that's part of your contract for the show. So whenever you're negotiating the record deal, everyone's sort of like. Uh, well, you probably won't ever have to even worry about this. So it's fine. Just just sign it. Like only one person's gonna have to worry about it, and it's it's probably not gonna be you. So don't even worry. About it. Right. 
And I, at that point, is there is there any negotiation even available to you, or is this oh, yeah, this is here? So, yeah, there's there's a ton. Like we have lawyers and everything that are like negotiating this contract for us, and they've worked with the show before, so they know how it all works. So you know, we have right. like really good representation as contestants. Um, but you just sort of assume like, you know, everyone's sort of telling you like, oh, yeah, you'll never have to worry about this. It's fine. Just sign it. You want to be on the show. And then, you know, one of us will do it, but it probably won't be you and it'll be fine. And so you're just kind of like, oh, OK, sure. I'll sign whatever. And then you get to the end. And what are the odds? It is you. Right. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, oh, that's yeah, right. what did I what did I sign up for six months? ago? Right. Right. So as far as winning the voice is concerned, I mean, it's a it's a music or, or a talent competition. Um, and, you know, we're talking music here. That must have been stressful. I mean, you're competing against other people. What, how would you compare the stress between going through that versus actually winning and then like, oh, now I've got all this other stuff ahead of me that I got to figure out? It's definitely two different forms of pressure of stress i think um on the show you kind of become part of this machine so it's like in the back of your mind like in the beginning you're like this is really cool it's a competition show like i've always seen this on tv and i'm part of it and it's exciting but then as you get through it you start to realize it really is like a job and right. while you're while you're a contestant and it's kind of about you you're also part of this bigger machine that's just trying to make good television right so by the right. end of it you almost feel like you're just as much a part of it as everybody else. And you're like an actor in the show and you're doing the interviews and you want to give them good sound bites and you want to give them good performances so that the TV comes out great and they have great rating. Like you just feel like you're part of it. Um, and they do a really good job of making you feel comfortable and making you feel totally um, supported in being yourself and being authentic. So that's a really positive thing about the show is like the atmosphere itself is very supportive. It's very encouraging, very uplifting. Um, but at the same time, it is a TV show. So you're, like I said, you're, you're part of the team that's making this thing happen. Whereas after the show, while the pressure of going out on stage and singing your face off to beat somebody else every week is kind of <laughs> gone. Um, so it doesn't feel as competitive. There's like a whole new set of challenges because now you're not just singing other people's songs every week and you're not just base, basing your success off of how well you sing, but how well you connect with an audience, what you say as an right. artist, who you are. And so it's like, it's a totally, it's flipped on its head almost because you have to instantly become used to now creating something that's your own and not just focusing on singing as good as you can, but focusing on capturing a moment or capturing, you know, an experience that people are going to be able to relate to. Um, it's just, it's a different set of challenges. And quite frankly, uh, competing against the other noise in the industry that's out there, right? Because now, you know, the competition in the show is one thing. It's a TV show. People are watching and you go from week to week having these competitions. It's kind of like a cookie cutter, you know, um, process, really. Uh, and then it's, you know, a process of elimination and then hopefully you make it to the end. But again, like you say, it's a it's a machine that, that works. And now you're out there and now you're competing against other artists, uh, other genres, everything yeah you go from you go from having this platform where you automatically have millions of people that are watching you every week and you automatically have you know that number of people going on and downloading the song so you're automatically that song's going to chart um to then you're not in front of everybody's faces every week you're right. having to fight for your own spot you're having to fight for your own 
platform, your voice to be heard without this big machine of something like The Voice, which has, you know, is the number one reality television show for I don't know how many years. It's won I don't know how many Emmys. It's millions of viewers. So it's like without that machine pushing you, there is a bit of a, I don't know, it feels kind of like a free fall. You're like, okay, is somebody going to catch me here or am I just kind of on my own to, to make right. this happen? And yeah. let's yeah. let's talk a little bit about The Voice. Not that we want to get... Um, too involved in this part of your career because that's all in the past. But um, I've always been curious when somebody wins one of these uh, music competitions, um, you're in front of judges, you're, in, you're on TV, you're in front of millions of people, but essentially you're in front of judges that are in the industry that know what they're talking about. Is there any sort of relationship you have with them after you win? Like, are you still in touch um, with, you know, people that were part of The Voice? whether it be fellow contestants or the judges or whatnot? Yeah, I, I would say that what you see, I don't know how it is for all of the reality shows, um, but for The Voice specifically, what you see on television really is what it's like. So whenever you mm. see the contestants connecting with the coaches, rehearsing with the coaches, that really does happen. Um, those are not just like fabricated things. Like we actually do have rehearsals with the coaches. The coaches are very heavily involved in choosing our songs from week to week, the arrangements. Um, they're just, yeah, they're just really a big part of that. And then of course, outside of our time with that specific celebrity coach, we also have a voice coach. We work with the band. We have a whole team of producers and choreographers and different people that we're working with. So afterwards it becomes sort of like a family in a way of, you connect well with the other contestants and those people have a shared experience with you. So you become like a family and I'm still very close with a lot of those people. And then the team on the show outside of the celebrity coaches, the producers and the voice coaches and things like that, I still, you know, connect with all the time because we just enjoyed working together and had a great time. The coaches themselves, aside from like I was on Adam Levine's team. And so Adam and I still stay in touch. We still connect often um as far as being heavily involved in my career he hasn't been but i think that was probably because of the difference in what we do like yeah we both are very different genres we do very different kinds of music um he's always been supportive to like share my releases and he's not afraid to you know like help me promote something but as far as like being heavily involved like as a producer or a featured artist or something we're just in two different places as who we are as artists um, but we do keep in touch and check in every once in a while. So we do still have that connection after the show. And I think with some of the other coaches, it's the same exact way from what I've heard from friends that are, have been contestants in the past as well. Would That's you- really good to have someone like that, like, <laughs> like on your phone, you know what I mean? Like having someone, those, that kind of caliber of an artist sort of, you know, in reach that yeah. what a gift. What it's a true. And he's, he's extremely, I mean, I know he's an artist and he's like, you know, the people's sexiest man alive and everyone yeah. loves him. I thought um, Drew told me it was him, but sorry. It is me, but like he, 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 he has it this year. I'll have it next year. Okay. Yeah, they, right. You'll have it next year again. Year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a new one every year. So it just kind of rotates. That's right. Yeah. Between yeah. Um, but like he is actually very musical. And he's very gifted and like, I actually really valued his input as an artist, as just a music person. Like he's very extremely musical and he's extremely intelligent. So that was like, I don't know. I just, not that I assumed he wasn't, 
like I knew he probably was, but it was just really cool to see that side of him. Like he's actually extremely scary smart. I believe it. Um, when you were on The Voice, sorry, going back to this again, um, did you have your own no, no trailer? Problem. You know how you know how uh, everybody on a TV show or a movie has a, tra- you know, it's it's a big thing if you have your own trailer. What was the, what was, you know, life, what was life like, out, you know, uh, uh, outside of the camera world? You know, uh, you know, when the camera was, was the trailer, <laughs> was there a caterer there? Was- <laughs> wow. Let me tell you, there was like, it was like the untouched beautiful soundstage where all the coaches have like trailers in this little compound and there's like this beautiful sitting area and it's like looks like fake grass on the ground and all their trailers are there and it was like if you got to go in there and talk to a coach as one of the contestants everyone was like what was it like what was it like it's the holy grail like what did it look like in there was there food was there whatever they like took great care of us as contestants but no we didn't have like trailers and all that obviously the coaches did and i actually got to go back to the show after my season i think it was a couple seasons later and be like an advisor um so i got to like work with adam to sort of mentor other contestants and then that when i went back i got to like sit in one of the spinny red chairs and i got to have my own trailer with my name on it and so that was pretty cool but yeah as a contestant you just sort of are like kind of huddled together in the artist tent in the back lot like you know eating taking what you can get i understand (laughs) eating some cheese cubes and grapes and yeah just you're just grateful to be there So I'm curious about how, like, life after The Voice, like, you're you're doing it, you're working it, you're releasing things. Um, How much, like, because, okay, this sounds really negative, but but hear me out. Um, Like, The Voice and American Idol, all these shows has such incredible energy and momentum and star power. Like, and so it's able to sort of really sort of kind of keep these winners in the spotlight in a really cool way just because the brand alone, let alone the talents of the, of the artists. Are you finding that there's a lot more room for you to kind of like, um, do your thing? Um, are you able to, do you feel any, is there any further pressure from the show or is it kind of like you are free to do your own thing? That's a question I'm trying to ask. Like, do, do, do they, does all of a sudden the voice say, Hey, Hey, Hey dude, we need more content from you or is it just now just a basic record deal where you can just do your own thing and, and talk to the record. Are level there, level. are there subsequent contractual obligations? Good, right. That's a nice way because, of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Because I know it's a brand and you got to sort of like, you yeah. know, work yeah. within the brand. I assume, I don't know. I've never been, but um, I'm curious about whether they have any sort of say in your future career or is it just you and the record label. Yeah, that that's actually sense? really. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good question. Even though it was extremely unclear, I think I got it. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just kidding. Thank I'm you. totally kidding. No, <laughs> tell, tell um, like it is. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally joking. <laughs> I was clear as mud. No, I think. Um, <laughs> just edit that out. Well, this is a serious <laughs> conversation, guys. We can't. No, it was good. It was good. If, if people I think we're it. having fun here, they won't. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, they're gonna be it's, like, it's like yeah. immediately turn it off. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm trying to think of where to start. <laughs> as far as contractual obligation to the show, that kind of ends. There's like a handoff. Whenever you win the show, there's a handoff between the voice itself and the record label that is a part of like the winning deal, which is Republic Records um, as of now. 
And I think sometimes that varies like with country artists. I'm not sure if they go straight to Republic or if it's maybe like, you know, an imprint or a different label under that umbrella. Um, But for me, it was Republic Records. So there was definitely a handoff. Now, in my season, I think it was a bit unique because not to say this in a bragging way, but pretty sure season nine was like one of the biggest seasons of the show. That's just, that is definitely. bragging. That is definitely bragging. But it was. Shameless, it was, though. It shameless self-promotion here. <laughs> that was a good year, dude. That was a good year. It was a crazy year. And I mean, they were seeing mm. like success on the charts that they hadn't seen before. Yeah. And um, like, I just remember waking up like every Monday and Tuesday and having like millions of views online and that's the season I had three number ones on like iTunes, like knocking Adele's hello, like, you know, all these things. And so it was a huge season season. And I think that there was pressure there um, for someone from the voice to become like the Carrie Underwood was for American Idol or the Kelly Clarkson. is. Right. For American Idol. You know, they right. wanted that person because the question I get so much as a winner and as someone that's been a part of the voice is why doesn't the voice have like superstars like Jennifer Hudson or like, you know, like some of these people. And I think because of the setup of the show, I think there's a lot more attention on the coaches. And I think that there mm. is a broader focus on the artists as far as, instead of making like a superstar out of one artist, they want to equip all the artists that come through the process of the show to walk away with the ability to make a sustainable career out of music that they're making. So while there aren't like as many superstars from the voice, I can look at, you know, a roster of past contestants that are making a living as artists or as musicians on the road as a result of the platform that they had while they were on the voice. And I think that that's like the difference of how the shows are set up. And so for me, I did feel a bit of that pressure after the show to be the guy, to be the one that was like, Oh yeah, this is our breakout, you know, guy. So I did feel that pressure, but also support from the voice. So they, you know, they sort of leaned into that as well. So while the contractual obligations aren't necessarily there, um, continuing on to go back and have to do things for the show it's almost this symbiotic relationship that you want to because the show itself is such a monster of a machine it is such a huge platform you want that exposure you're not in front of millions of people every week you're trying to promote your own project so you want that ability to get back in front of those faces to get back on television to be back in people's homes um you know all across america so it's almost like you're not you don't have to but if you get to that's an added bonus because that's just more promotion for you that's better for your career and honestly i love the show i loved my time on the voice i love the team so it's like getting a family reunion every time you go back and you get to be a part of it again that's nice that's that's always nice when you have that feeling it's not like you you know you left on bad terms or or things you know soured after the fact you still have that relationship so you can go back and the fact that they ask you back which is which is awesome too because uh they want to get somebody that people would recognize from a previous season but also for you as you as you as you've mentioned that the fact that Uh, it gets you additional exposure and stuff and you know nobody's in it uh, you know as far as Christian music is concerned nobody is necessarily trying to make a name for themselves Um, but you know it is your career it's the way you um, get your income so if you can get people to listen to your music get people to follow you on social on the socials uh, it it 
it helps. <laughs> it all yeah, helps. Yeah, and then know, it's, it's right. too, right. I mean, they are very self-aware of this giant machine and what it is. This, you know, it's just a giant promotional tool for artists. But for me, like as an artist, as a Christian artist specifically, the message is just as important as the promotion of the brand. And so for me, I'm like, this is an opportunity to get the word out to millions of people at once. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really, yeah. it's really awesome to be able to go back and know like they love me because of the positivity and because of something that's outside of my control, which is, you know, my faith in my faith in God, it's not like outrightly said, but they love that positivity. They love being able to share that encouraging story. They love inspiring people. They love uplifting people. And so because I was able to do that on the show, they're like, yeah, we would love for you to come back and be able to do that because it just sort of like fits along with their brand. And it gives me an opportunity to go back and share the message of the gospel and uh, to just spread that inspiration, spread that positivity. So, yeah, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. It is like, you know, self-promotion as an artist, but also with someone who always has message in mind in the back of their mind. Like, that's a huge way to get the word out. We've seen many times where uh, people, Christian um, artists, or, or at least people that want to get into the Christian music arena, um, they're involved in, you know, their youth group or their youth choir or the choir, or they sing in their church and whatnot. And you've seen these people come up through the ranks on, you know, music, um, contestant type shows, uh, for you specifically on the voice, um, what was that part of your life? Like given the fact they knew you, you know, were a, a Jesus follower, like, what was that like? Was that, you know, like I found, you know, growing up uh, when I was not working in radio and I was working for um, just a regular company once and they found out I was a Christian and I, I was fairly new there. I was I was a boss like I was I was a supervisor of about 12 people. And at one point, uh, you know, somebody found out that I was a Christian, not that I was hiding anything. It was just like, you know, I'm not going to go and tell, well, by the way, uh, I'm your boss and I'm a Christian. I didn't do anything like that. So they find out I'm a Christian. And then um, I, there was this one employee who swore all the time. And then as soon as I guess he found out that I was a Christian, uh, his comment, like he swore and it was in front of me. He says, oh, sorry, I shouldn't be swearing around you. Like you shouldn't be swearing about around anybody, but me specifically, he just said that because he recognized what my faith was and he was trying to respect me in that. So what was it like for you being a Christian on, uh, on the voice? Like, you know, other people, different backgrounds, different lifestyles, different belief systems. What was it like for you? It was definitely something I was concerned about going into the process because I, if you know anything about me, I'm from a super small town in Kentucky. I grew up in a little mountain church in the Appalachian Mountains, about 40 people on a good Sunday. We just were having a good old time with just little family church. And so for me to go to Hollywood and be a part of this television show was like, I had no idea what to expect. Obviously, I've heard the stories and obviously everyone was like, this will be the greatest test of your faith that you can imagine. And you have to really know who you are and yeah. like, we're going to pray for you. And I appreciated that because I was definitely prepared walking in to have to take a stand for my faith. And what I found was the complete opposite, actually. Um, 
Number one, my season specifically, and I think that's probably this way in a lot of seasons, but on season nine specifically, so many of the contestants were believers um, that it was insane. Like one of our contestant outings one day was we went to Hillsong Church in LA. Oh, nice. And mm, so we, it was nice. like a group of like 60 or 80 people. And we were sequestered at the time. So there were people that weren't even believers um, that were just like, yeah, we want to get out and go somewhere. So they came to church with us. It was like amazing to see. Um, and it was something that we asked for as contestants and the show was like, yeah, if you guys want to all go, like, we'll put you on a bus and we'll take you. It was extremely amazing. Um, and so I didn't necessarily set out with the intention of I'm going to go on the voice and I'm going to like profess my faith and I'm going to be very vocal about it. And if they don't like it, I'm going to fight for it and deal with it. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be myself. (laughs) And it just like my faith is such a big part of who I am. It's always been sort of at the forefront of who we were as a family growing up. I was heavily involved in church and the music in my church. Um, You know, just I was just there all the time. Every time the doors open, I was in church. And so it was just a huge part of who I was. So my relationship with God just sort of found its way out of me, I guess. And I would find myself talking about it in interviews in a really genuine way. And then I would go watch the show and those segments would make it into the show. Um, And then, you know, one week comes along and I get a lot of credit for singing the song, Greatest Thy Faithfulness, the hymn. And a lot of people come up to me still to this day and they say, thank you for taking that stand for your faith on The Voice. And I, I have to be honest with them and say, to let you know, I didn't even choose that song for myself. It was Adam that chose that song for me. Really? Because he knew wow. I was a person of faith. And he said, I think this is, you know, this is an important thing for you to do. Let's let's find a hymn. Let's choose something that highlights that part of you. And it just so happened that the same week that I sang that song uh, was the week of the Paris bombing in 2015. And That's so we right. had, That's right. we, we had no idea what was happening and we had an opening to the show that was like a moment of silence in, in memoriam to the Paris bombing. And then we closed the show with me singing greatest of faithfulness. And that was the first week that one of the songs went to number one, it just exploded. And that was nothing that we could have planned. Um, it just happened. And looking back, I'm like, of course that was like, you know, God's hand at work all along, but it was just like, I was just doing what came naturally. I was just being authentic. And the show is all about that authenticity. So it was, you know, if I had been, if I had another part of me that was so prevalent, if it wasn't my faith, it was something else. Um, For some people, like it's their sexuality and they really highlight that story on the show. Or some some people have come overcome like crazy medical you know, issues in their lives or they suffer with disease and they really highlight that on the show. And for me, my faith was just that overarching theme throughout my life that ended up being highlighted in my story. That's awesome. The way uh, yeah. that, you know, the backstory, because you're right, every every time there's a contestant, as soon as the, as soon as they start moving up, there, there's got to be some kind of backstory behind, you know, that's part of the show. Right. Um, I do got to say, though, I'm really impressed. I mean, what you've said there about Adam uh, selecting the song that that says a lot about his character as well. It really does. You know, yeah, because it was something he didn't even really understand or he didn't connect with right. personally, but he knew I connected with it as an artist and that listeners would also connect with it. He knew it was something that everybody would, would sort of have this shared experience of hearing that song on the show. Yeah. A whole new level of respect right there. There you totally. go. So, You're welcome. Mr. Smith, we talk about you as a, as a singer, but we haven't actually talked about you as a writer yet. We haven't even leaned to that 
part of your life. And I know that um, you wrote that track for the uh, the Deadpool movie, Deadpool 2. <laughs> How did that happen, bro? Because that song is one of my one of my favorite Celine songs. So how did how did how that happen? Honestly, I I sometimes I'm just like, I don't even know how it happened, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, um, that's a brilliant track. <laughs> well, the funny it's thing so about good. that song. Thank you. I appreciate that. The funny thing about that song, I will just be honest with you. Number one, it's like a direct scripture reference when it says let beauty come out of ashes. That comes directly from scripture. Um yeah. so it's just funny the context that it ended up, you know, being in. <laughs> But when we when yeah. we wrote the song, I remember when we wrote the song, it was an idea I brought into the session uh, with a couple other writers and we worked on it and like made a demo and I walked away and I was like, well, that went terribly. <laughs> <laughs> I remember sending it to my manager and I was like, just forget it. Put this one in the no pile. Don't even listen to it. It's embarrassing. Like, I do not like it. It just did not turn out what I wanted it to be. And so, um, when I found out that it got the green light for the movie and they wanted someone huge to sing it. And I was like, okay, it's Beyonce, Beyonce singing my song, everybody. Hey everybody. I'm Jordan Smith. I wrote a song for Beyonce. Like I did not, you know, I didn't know who it was, but that was the first person that came to my mind uh, when they were like, someone huge is going to sing it. And then when I found out it was Celine, I literally just like fell on the floor and I was like, Oh my God, I'm not worthy. <laughs> but it was, it was just crazy to see like, just wrote this song it was like a worship chorus almost that i like had been singing in my car for two weeks because i was like in i was honestly it was in the context of somebody that i was close to was going through a divorce and a really tough time and their marriage was falling apart and looked like their life was falling apart and i was just singing it like almost as a prayer of like let beauty come out of ashes like you know let let something good come out of this we ended up writing the song uh for the movie which I was, you know, not prepared for because then I had to go to like the premiere of the movie, which I don't know if you've ever seen Deadpool, but as a believer is (laughs) definitely not right in our wheelhouse. (laughs) In the first 30 seconds, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I had to, my manager. Are we talking language specifically, right? Uh, But like all of it, anything you can imagine that's horrible, violence, language, nudity, all of it. And um, I had to go with my manager who is like, at the time was like, you know, a 40 year old mom of two. (laughs) So we're just sitting next to each other and I'm just looking at the floor like, okay, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. Like, but luckily the song is in the like first like two minutes of the movie. So if you've never, you know, if you, if you don't want to watch the whole thing, you can hear the song in the movie in the first, you know, five <laughs> just watch, minutes. Just but, watch the first five minutes of the movie and you're good. Yeah. You'll have to see like a little bit of violence blowing. in those first two minutes. <laughs> yeah. You'll see like some people cut in half and then you can hear the song. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. But it was <laughs> no just, <big> deal. <laughs> it was just mind blowing because as a songwriter, I think I always told myself like I was writing songs because I was an artist and it was just a part of what I had to do. You know, Mm. when I won the show, I signed a publishing deal and I was like, you know, got to fulfill that as an artist, you got to be in the room when they're writing the songs. uh, So you can approve it and you know, you can make sure it kind of fits with your brand. But as a songwriter, it was the first time I was like, no, I love this. And this is something I actually am meant to do. And actually, you know, I want to do. And it was a whole other side of me that I had explored when I was younger 
and I wrote songs in my bedroom that the world will never hear. Um, <laughs> but it was it was you know sort of the turning point moment for me as a songwriter to say, okay, this is this is actually something you can do. Wow. Uh, going through life now since since the voice you know we've talked we've talked enough about the voice uh, great show um, but we've we've we're moving on now um, what has what is life like for you now I mean obviously um, you know we talked about the voice being rather uh, somewhat of a cookie cutter uh, show you know it, you kind of know what to expect and you know as a viewer we know what to expect and and as a contestant obviously there's a certain process you go through but that's all done you sign the record deal what is life like for you now like what is what is a typical day for jordan <laughs> well in the last year a typical day for jordan is a whole lot of episodes of Grey's anatomy <laughs> but uh <laughs> Pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, you know, that first year immediately after I won the voice in December 2015 and that first year immediately after I made the joke earlier, but it was literally like being shot out of a cannon. I finished a full length record starting on January 4th and it was mastered by the last day of January. Wow. That is really fast. Jeez, eh? And yeah and it was i immediately was going on tour i did a full-length christmas album that year i bought our first home the day that the record dropped um we got married in june of that year i mean it was just so much life happening all at once i toured up until the saturday before my wedding (laughs) and my wife was like i can't do this anymore like if we're gonna have a wedding i have you have to help me this week like it was just there was so much happening and we shoved so much life i think into that first year that after that i sort of had a moment where i was just like you know what i gotta i gotta stop and think i did two christmas tours with michael w smith and amy grant um yes just so that was like, my, my other contact with Stu g that's who the, the guy was telling me about your stuff oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah that's Definitely. who it was sorry yep. continue. no it's okay i got you i got you um so, you know, I did those two tours, which I hate to just gloss over because they were like a huge moment in my life, but they were just part of that like insanity that happened in those huge artists that you're touring with. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. can't gloss Massive. over that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, I was having these experiences that coming from a small town in Kentucky and before the show, just being, you know, a music major in college, I never imagined this quickly I would be in the room with these people or I would be on stage with these people. And so, um, you know, I was flying across the country. I was doing like parties in Andrea Bocelli's Italian villa in his backyard. And then I was like coming back and singing for the presidential like prayer breakfast in DC. And it was just, there was just crazy things happening that I never imagined, especially ever would happen but especially in that first you know couple of years that would happen and so then i had a moment where i had to step back and go okay what what is it what do i have to do next who is jordan smith and that's when i wrote my second record i wrote a full pop record um co-wrote half the songs and i put that out in 2018 and it was you know that was a huge moment for me as a songwriter and then i had some health issues i had um you know just some things going on in my personal life that really made me full stop and go okay jordan like you have to figure out what it is that defines you as an artist you have to figure out who you are you have to figure out what you're doing are you just doing what everybody else has been telling you and so i stepped away from the record label we cut ties and i walked away um which was a mutual thing you know it it was all very you know good between us 
still good relationship there, but we just knew we weren't the right fit for each other anymore. So I walked away from the record label. Um, you know, I had a great team of people around me that were like, you just take the time, you do what you need to do. So I just stepped back and thought, what is it when somebody else's money is not on the line, (laughs) when I don't have all these voices coming at me, telling me what to do. Um, when my success is not the deciding factor on everybody else's success, what is it? What's the thing? And I ended up, um, writing what was basically a full CCM collection of songs. It's a full EP of CCM songs. Um, Mm -hmm. the first of which is great. You are the new single that's out. And, um, yeah, it just like, it became evident to me in that moment, you're a Christian artist. You've always been a Christian and you've always been an artist, but you know, like your faith, who you are as a believer, that is what takes the forefront here. That's what matters most here. Um, and when I just went into the studio and I created, like it's this, you know, as I was talking about with the song Ashes that Celine sang, when I just went in the studio and I didn't have a purpose behind what I was writing, when I just wrote, that song came out and it was totally a song based on scripture. It was totally a song that at the heart of it is a song of worship. So I knew as a songwriter and as an artist, that was what was always in me that was like dying to get out. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little curious to hear what the, what the transition was like moving genres, right? Because if you, if you did like a pop, you know, type sound first, uh, that's one audience. And then going to a CCM sound and a CCM um, album, that's, that's again, a, a really a totally different audience and probably different people that you're working with as well. Yeah, it was a very interesting, a very interesting time that transitionary period was. Um, the good thing is that even when I was on The Voice, people knew I was a believer. It was no secret And I think the way that my voice journey progressed kind of set me up for this type of transition because I sang a hymn on the show. I did Mary, did you know, like the biggest Christian Christmas song there is, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. there was no, there was nothing shy about my faith on the show. So people automatically assumed that I was a believer and the music I was making while it was pop music, it was still inspiring. It was still uplifting. It was still hopeful. Um, And often it was, uh, less messages about, you know, like riding down the road in the girl in the car with your girl, which there are songs about that, but they were more about like self-discovery and loving yourself and loving other people and more universal uplifting themes that people connected with. So I sort of lived in this in-between space as an artist where people knew I was a believer, but I wasn't necessarily making quote unquote Christian music. So when the time came to make that transition, there were some people that we're not shocked at all. And we're like, Oh, this is the logical thing to do as, as a believer. And we've been wanting this the whole time. And then there are some people who are totally outside of the faith world who have completely different belief systems than me that are fans or that I work with that. I am shocked at how open they are and accepting they are of, of this next step. Like, I sort of expected some pushback from my team or some pushback from, you know, some of my fans and they're just here for it because it's genuine and it's authentic. And I think they just crave that. And it's a really unique opportunity now that I have all of those fans who aren't believers um, that would maybe never turn on Christian radio or would maybe not go and search, you know, new Christian music playlists on Spotify. Now they're going to hear 
these messages of the gospel, they're going to hear these songs in a totally different way. Um, just because it's Jordan Smith that's that's singing them. Yeah, especially if they've right. if they've already been following you on the socials or on Spotify, uh, new music pops up and they're just going to start listening to it and think, yeah, this is just they're not necessarily going to even equate it to CCM for that matter. Yeah, that's so right. it's like yeah. it's actually so the music itself has a really pop feel, but it has a CCM message. You know, it has yeah. the gospel yeah. message. Yeah. So it's a really cool, you know, opportunity to sort of bring that message to a new group of people in a way. Um, and they've been, like I said, they've been here for it. They've been super supportive in a, in a shocking way. I, I've been given such a warm welcome by the CCM community, by the Christian community, and also by the people outside of that community, um, you know, sort of making this transition with me. Now, what's, what's next? I mean, you've got uh, this new uh, EP out with the lead single, Great You Are, um, how long is that going to last before you start, you know, I, obviously you're writing all the time, but when's the next time you're going into studio and, and just churning out more stuff? Yeah. So the EP itself isn't, isn't released yet. And so that's sort of what's next on the horizon is seeing how great you are, you know, performs at radio, seeing how well this mm. goes as far as my first statement as a quote unquote Christian artist, um, sort of my first, you know, my first arrow in the CCM quiver. And, um, you know, after that, it's like, I'm already thinking about what's sorry. The dog is like walking all over something. Let me try that again. <laughs> Jamie, awesome, come here, sis. Here, come over here. Come on this side. I'm right here. Does he want to be on the show? She is. Oh, like, she, yeah. you know, she's sticks her nose and everything. Anyway, let me start. <laughs> <laughs> So the EP itself is actually um, is coming soon. The first single's Great You Are. And we sort of wanted to see how well that performed at Christian Radio because this is such a new uh, step in the journey for me. You know, it is something that's totally different and totally unexpected, I think, for some people. So um, the next thing is just getting this music out. I've had it in me for literally years. This music has been written. Some of it has been written for over two years. And so I'm just like at the point now where I'm excited to share these songs with the world. Um, for me, it was interesting through the pandemic to work on this record and then understand now what those songs actually meant to me during that time. Looking back, some of these songs are what kept me during the pandemic, even though I'm the artist listening to them, listening to the mixes, recording the tracks. I did all the background vocals and there were some lyrics that I literally probably sang a hundred times um, in the studio. And as I sang those lyrics, they just like made their way into my heart. And I realize now looking back, like these songs kept me and these songs really like mean so much to me and have given me hope and inspiration. And they have kept me going during this, you know, whole year, this season of craziness. And so I know they're going to be that because they've been that for me, they're going to be that for more people. So I'm just like ready to get the music out there. And then I'm already, <laughs> I'm already writing new music. I'm already like chomping at the bit to get in the studio and do more. Um, and I didn't know necessarily in the beginning, if this is somewhere I would stay, I'm, you know, I'm all about just like mm. following the music, following the inspiration. And I didn't know, you know, I wasn't sure if I was officially going to be a Christian artist from now on, if I was going to continue doing CCM, if this was a one-time thing and then I was going to move on and do, you know, a jazz record next. You know, I had no idea Ooh, what was coming next. Jazz. Um, that, could, that could work. Yeah. 
<laughs> it was just an example. But um, yeah, so it's 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 interesting to see now though, like when I'm in this creative space, that's what is continuing to come out of my creative time. And so I, I you know, I think All there's right. more where this came from. I believe so too. And I want to hear it all, all of it, bro. All of it. <laughs> I appreciate that. This, I got to say, this new EP is, um, it's one of the most personal things I think I've ever written and, and made. Mm. Um, I co-wrote on all the songs. I was involved in the creative process, literally from writing the songs to all of the production. Um, like I said, I sang all the BGVs. I was very, you know, heavily involved in the production process with the producer and the um, musicians and then now here just to promote it and get it out. Like I just, it feels like my baby or one of my kids. And I just honestly, I'm excited for people to hear it. You know, it'd be really funny is, uh, you know, he releases one of the songs drew and, and uh, somebody makes a comment like, yeah, I didn't like the, you know, the vocals, but the background vocals were amazing. <laughs> that would be the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, the singer, the singer is, but that choir. <laughs> oh my <right>. gosh. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> that would be so funny. Yeah, it would. Thank you, Jordan, for uh, spending some time with us today. Uh, really enjoyed our conversation, uh, having some laughs, but also talking about some you know good um, industry type stuff and some uh, mm. thought provoking stuff as well. Uh, yeah, appreciate your too. time. Yeah, me too. I, honestly, I really appreciate this. And I have to tell you, I feel like you guys are in Toronto, right? Yep. Yep. I feel like an honorary Canadian because my whole team is Canadian. So it's like I was like, oh, oh. I talk to some. Some of my people today. <laughs> well, hey, when they when they That's open right. up the borders um, and you're going to be in town for whether it's a vacation or a gig or whatever, let us know and uh, uh, we'll hunt you down and, and uh, do a coffee or something with you. It'd be fun. Yeah, I'd love that. I love Toronto. So that'd yeah. be awesome. You know, that's got to be uh, somewhat difficult, even changing genres, even though he has been very obvious, even on the voice of a Jesus follower, a believer, but then moving towards kind of that pop sound and then moving again to the CCM thing. I, I think he's he's really benefited from this music competition. There's so many artists that have come up the ranks because of being on some kind of show like that. Uh, I'm actually just thinking of Jamie Grace right now. I mean, she she was already a recognized artist, and now she's gone back on to American Idol, and she's going to Hollywood, which is which is kind of amazing. So it'd be kind of cool to see her back in the limelight a little bit and uh, doing the music thing after getting married and having a baby and whatnot. But uh, going back to Jordan, I think it's incredible the journeys he's had and the the opportunities he's had. And and not just forgetting about it, just dropping it after he wins the voice, but pursuing that. Like, it's an opportunity that if you don't take that and run with it, he's foolish if he doesn't, you know? So I, I was really impressed to see what he's done and who he's worked with over the last little while and just excited for him in this future as well. Completely. You know what? Jordan was actually my favorite voice winner, like, period. Um, I just really, really loved um, not just his voice, but just kind of who he was. And, um, and I do remember it was, it was 2016. I remember hearing some of those early tracks and just going, wow, this guy is going to go places. He's got so the it's pipes. Really cool to, He's got the pipes. Right? He's got oh, the pipes. The guy's, yes. the guy's so good. Yeah. And so it's really great to hear, um, this life after the voice and what it's like and kind of what he's going through and what he's dealing with. And it was so wonderful. Cause I remember also when he did the tour, the Michael W. Smith tour, I remember going good for him. I remember thinking good for him. Like this is a great tour within that, you know, CCM context. He's going to do well. And he did do well. Like the reviews of just about him alone were stellar. 
And so what a cool way to kind of hang out, chat, to get to know, you know the story behind the story, if you will, the story behind the headlines that we normally see online and just sort of find out what it was like to be not just the winner, but kind of be, you know, the story after The Voice. And that was wonderful conversation. I'm so thankful we had him on the show. Yeah, make sure you check out jordansmithofficial.com. That's his website. You'll find the links to his music, events, and anything social media. And it's time now for artist advice. This week, Andrew Marcus. I mostly encourage songwriters, and uh, I would tell them just to always be writing. Always write, always voice memo, always, you know, if you have a little tune, like put it together. Um, yeah, just always be listening and, you know, carve time to write. If you don't carve time to actually sit with your ideas, you'll never write a song. Um, and so it's actually just like putting it in your calendar and spending time. Something will always happen. Yeah, everything he just said. I know for me, um, I'm always putting in little notes in my voice memo or little things into my my notepad app, just trying to have even the, the smallest kernel of an idea, a title, a phrase, a couple words, an image. I think even storing those things away and then diving back into them at a later time mm-hmm. can just spark up a whole new song idea. So yeah, always be writing or creating or at least throwing ideas away in the bucket for later you have to i got asked recently to write an article for a magazine and it was the same sort of thing me being in radio you try to take what you're going to say and compress it as much as possible just get to the point and it's and it's very short and say what you need to say in 10 seconds sort of thing right so it's been difficult for me it's really stretched me because i've got to elaborate more i've got to articulate better so taking that and, you know, it really does tie in so well with the conversation that we had with Jordan as well, because Jordan was mentioning that he's written so many songs, many that may not ever see the light of day. But the yeah. fact is, you're still creating, you're continually writing, you're continually improving your craft. And, and all of that just improves you as, a, as an artist as well. So that's right. That's exactly right, man. That is it for this week's episode of Between the Grooves. We do appreciate you listening. We thank you for subscribing. And uh, we appreciate all the ratings and the reviews. That just continues to help us reach more people. Make sure you check out the podcast every week. New episodes dropping every Monday. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, you can find us online on Twitter and on Facebook at Between Grooves. Hit us up there. Follow us, all that kind of stuff. You can find out about new podcasts coming out. Maybe you can even throw some ideas for a future guest we should invite on the show. Thanks for listening and catch you next time on Between the Grooves, a podcast podcast from faithstrongtoday.com.